0: So to Raven Conversations, I'm Joe C. Mandel, the State Public Affairs Officer for the Washington National Guard. And today I'm joined by three individuals. Major Kevin Robillard, he's a Black Hawk pilot over in our aviation unit. Uh, Leslie Main, who is the founder of the Permission to Dr- Start Dreaming Foundation. And uh, Jessica Kastrup, yes. who is kind of her right-hand woman, yep. it sounds like, at the Foundation. <laughs> uh, they're here to talk to us about the Foundation, uh, who recently held a an event called the Race for a Soldier, which honored a number of soldiers for a Guard uh, family. Uh, Major Dom Colada, who passed away, was uh, one of the honorees. Um, I believe Dom's wife even sang the national anthem at the event. She sure um, did. Which was fantastic. And I know we flew a Black Hawk helicopter over it. Um, and, guard, and the Guard was definitely involved. Uh, Colonel retired Reed Geikis was there. Um, he he definitely was a huge role in that. So they're here to talk about the event, uh, about the foundation, and then how others can get involved in it. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be sure. here.
1: Thanks so, for having us. So, so we'll, kind
0: of, we'll kind of go around the table. We'll start with, with you, uh, Leslie, kind of give your intro and background on yourself.
2: Well, that's a that's a lot, um, uh, 30 seconds or less. Um, so Leslie Main, uh, I'm the founder of the Permission to Start Dreaming Foundation. And side, cute side story, is the last time I actually was here at Camp Murray uh, was to um, speak in front of about 10, 20 uh, military individuals, all ranks, Uh it was a little bit intimidating. Uh, it was back in 2010 and I was just getting started with the idea of the race for a soldier. And it was to bring awareness to the high rate of suicide among our soldiers and the reckless living that often was, we were seeing happen after deployments. And so I wanted to start this race to see if anybody cared uh, besides uh, me. And it turned out that 1,500 people did. But my visit out here was to um, talk about maybe my experience as a mom and uh, what my son experienced and then the idea of the race. And uh, it was a little intimidating and I didn't exactly know what to say. And I looked over to the side and there was this huge whiteboard and somebody, there was a big strong PTSD in bold letters and some soldier had written in there permission to start dreaming. And that was my aha moment because um, my son was on a lot of meds for nightmares and you know all all the things that the psychotropic drugs that are often dispensed and when i saw the permission to start dreaming it was like oh my gosh that is what it's all about and so it was a real blessing for me to be out here um and i tried to find out who uh put the, those words in there i couldn't find out who it was so um, and I really did try. But anyway, I ran with it. We stole it. <laughs> and it's now the name of the foundation. Yeah. So, And as we were talking before, Joe, I sort of cringe when people call us the PTSD Foundation because we're trying to eliminate the D. Uh, it's not a disorder. It is something you can work through, but it does take intention. Mm. so that's that's my 30 seconds no
0: it's great that's a great story and I, I guarantee that soldier probably thought they were in trouble for writing on the whiteboard well, or and so. it was
2: very faint you know nobody mm-hmm. even probably saw it but i was desperately needing some kind of I, I was pretty intimidated there was a lot of brass in the room and i think they had invited me uh to talk about you know my experience as a grieving mom and i really was still grieving so i was really nervous and i needed those words so um, it truly was a divine intervention. And then we we have been able to use it in a really powerful way. And to a person, when people find out what our name is, it's usually the wives that get the tears first and then the soldiers, but they get it. You know, permission to start dreaming. And it's sort of a universal, um, I mean, it it could address all of us, you know, whether you're civilians or in the military, we all need permission to start dreaming. Yeah. So
0: Uh, Jessica, how about you?
1: So um, thank you for having us here today. Um, I came to the foundation about a year and a half ago um, to help with their events. And I was a military spouse for 20 plus years. Um, My then uh, when I met my husband then was in the National Guard. So that's kind of how I came to know about the National Guard. And um, I've just loved every minute of the last year and a half watching this race grow and our other events grow and being involved with the foundation and all the good work we do in our community. Yeah. It's um, very empowering and something that I feel blessed to be a part
0: of. Oh, that's, that's fantastic so. and great great guard story. I mean, both of you, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> and then we come to you, Mr. Robillard. Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, Major
3: Kevin Robillard. Uh, I'm an army aviator. I'm the operations officer over at the first of the 168 G-SAB. Um, I've been in the military for about 17 years, so it's gone by in the the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. To be completely honest with you, I had never heard of the PTSD Foundation prior to this event, Um, but Colonel Retired Geicus had reached out. He submitted an air mission request form to see if we could do a flyover for this event. Um, when I saw it, and in the notes column he had mentioned that this was specifically to honor Major Dom Kalada and his family, uh, I took notice right away, and we can talk about this a little later, but uh, Dom and I had served together in Afghanistan 2019 and 2020 with the Special Operations Detachment Pacific here mm-hmm. in the card, um, and so when I saw Dom's name on there and noticed that he was attached to the mission, I immediately wanted to participate. Mm -hmm. So any way that I could get my hands on that, I wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I spoke with my boss who said, yeah, absolutely, why don't you take Point? And we were able to make it happen. So um, that's how I learned about the foundation. That's how I got to work with both of you. That's how I got to participate. And uh, it was just absolutely an honor, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they shared their
3: guard stories, but how did you learn about the National Guard? So to be totally honest with you, I was a lost 26-year-old. I was working in the restaurant business, um, making that tip money, which was awesome, (laughs) serving bartending, doing room service, but I didn't feel like I had any purpose or direction in my life. So I made the decision a little bit later in life that um, I was going to throw down my apron from the restaurant and I was going to join the Marines. I was going to join the Marines that day. So I went and talked to a Marine Corps recruiter. And it was these two recruiters. I remember it vividly. I went into their office, and these two just jacked Marine Corps recruiters. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in joining the Marines. What do you have to offer? Because I wanted to know about education benefits and becoming an officer and what I could do with the Marine Corps. And they said, no, 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 don't worry about that. You're gonna be a Marine. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds awesome. But what about like going to school and getting my degree? And they said, no, 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 no. You're gonna be a Marine. And they were like high fiving each other and stuff. So I decided at that point that I was going to go talk to some other recruiters. So I went and talked to a National Guard recruiter who said, hey, we can get you back to school. We can give you a, a tuition stipend. We can make sure that you get a scholarship. We can get you through the ROTC program and give you a commission as an officer. We'll let you choose your branch. We'll pay you the whole time. I mean, the benefits were just endless. Yeah. And so within that week I had signed and committed and decided that mm-hmm. I was gonna join the National Guard. So yeah. and it was honestly the best decision. Well, I'm married, so it was the second best decision. <laughs> second best decision I've ever made. So and, and after children it's the third best thing. Yeah, third and do. fourth. Yeah, fourth yeah. best decision that yeah. I've ever made. That's a so great story. yeah. I haven't looked back and it's been awesome. The opportunities that I've had with the army, with the National Guard, I mean second to none and I've experienced some things that I never would have had the opportunity to experience outside of the Guard and I've made
0: some friendships that um, you know will last a lifetime. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. awesome. No, and, and we were just literally talking about that and I'm glad that we were kind of getting a chance to chat about the, the the friendships and the family feeling you get with the Guard. For sure. Um, so so let's talk about the foundation. This is kind of where I, I point to you ladies. Um, you you kind of gave us a, a rough quick glimpse on it, but what is the foundation? The uh, Prepare or permission to start dreaming because I know I'm going to stop myself from saying PTSD quite a bit um, and, and I want you guys to kind of talk about it because I think it's sure. it's fantastic Just in, in our conversation about what you you're trying to do
2: Well, I know I would backtrack a little bit. Uh, my son Kyle did join the Washington State National Guard um, after 9-11 hmm. his uh, Cousin Shelley Marshall was at the Pentagon on that day, and she perished that day. Oh, wow. Um, her two littles were just in the childcare 100 yards next to her, and her husband, Don, actually, was on the other side of the Pentagon. So that's a whole incredible story. But Kyle and I, he, Kyle was going to college at the time playing football. Um, he wasn't a great student. He loved football. But, you know, he was, he was looking for some purpose as well. And then 9/11 happened, and October of that year, a, a month later, Kyle and I went back to visit him. He was playing in Connecticut. He came down to Virginia, and we sat in that room with the Far family. And if you've ever sat in a room with a 9/11 family, uh, it you know you'll never, never forget it. And I know that that was the moment uh, for Kyle that uh, his purpose had been found, and he. Came back here. He quit school. He joined the guard first, and I um, actually used to bring him lunch out here, and we'd hang by the lake or somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't exactly remember, but a um, couple of times. And then as the war heated up, uh, he knew that uh, you know he would be going off in one way or the other. So uh, he jumped over to the United States Army, and there was some paperwork involved. Next thing I know, you know, he's in Fort Lee, and then he's off to Iraq. Um, but You ask about the foundation and and the mission of it. And Mm -hmm. so um, Kyle served for several years. He uh, had one or two deployments. Um, Something went really, really wrong over there for him. And when he came back, he he was a different young man. And he served some time at Walter Reed, uh, dealing with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, which he'd been diagnosed and then when we went back to visit him his dad and i who lives in virginia and i lived out here um, we sat in a room at walter reed with i like to say well-intentioned psychologists and doctors and counselors Um, but they decided he should be treated over at uh, perry point uh, va hospital in maryland and so on that day it was determined that they would move him over there and he would be treated for various amounts you know addiction suicidal intonations, um, you know, all, all, all the things. And um, he was there from December of 2008 uh, to March of 2009. I talked to him on a regular basis as best I could. Uh, we didn't have cell phones as much as we did, so he'd have to stand in line in, in the corridor somewhere. And I had one or two teleconferences with a psychologist he was working with. But basically, he called me on March 6th, and said, "Mom, they tell me I'm just taking up a bed, and I can self-medicate. What do you think?" And I'm out here trying to move heaven and earth to figure out, okay, what what program is here? How you know? How do I help this soldier the best that I can? And as a mom, of course, you know I'm you know just terrified as to what what that looked like. And uh, I said, "Well, Kyle, we're gonna figure it out." And uh, they just charged him on that day, and he found a Baltimore hotel room on March 7th, and um, didn't wake up. I would submit to you that none of us know really if it was intentional suicide or if it was just reckless. He had all the psychotropic drugs in his body and some other things that are never going to be a good outcome. But the end result is the same. We lost our son, and he was 27. He served honorably, and he loved this country, and he loved his family, and I know he wanted to live out a life like both of you, wonderful gentlemen, are living out, so that sort of threw me off the cliff, and um, it was it was rough. It it there's no doubt about it. that. First year of walking through that kind of grief is uh, sobering to say the least. And I tried to find out if I could medicate myself a little bit in Ambien and a bottle of wine every night, but at some point. Uh, I think I got a beautiful uh, suggestion, strong suggestion from the good Lord that I had three other adult children. Uh, I had to find a way to honor Kyle's service and help other soldiers. I didn't want to see others. And you could look in the News Tribune every single day and saw the staggering um, statistics of men and women that were uh, living a really reckless way when they came home from, from war. So my determination then was, let's start a race, I'd start running, and I thought, you know what? If we put a race together, let's see how many people we can get that care this much about our soldiers, and maybe we could raise a little money and find alternative programs that could really work through uh, trauma, because it doesn't discriminate. and taking that struggle and turning it into your strength. Those were really all, I just wanted to see different outcomes and more opportunities and options. There just weren't any. We weren't really talking about PTSD in a way that actually you could work through it. Uh, We were just labeling it and and it had a stronghold. If you got that diagnosis, uh, horrible. Like, you know, you were just marred for life. And that's what I wanted to see if I could be a small part of. Affecting some change and changing the paradigm. So the races I said earlier saw about 1,500 people and remarkably, we had so many people come along the way. The USO, Don Langan over there, he he uh, took me under his wings. He allowed us to be uh, use his nonprofit status so we could funnel the money through the USO because we didn't have a nonprofit status yet. Uh, and then I made the trip out here and I saw that PTSD permission to start dreaming and I thought, Oh my gosh, that's the name of our foundation. We're gonna flip this bad boy on its side. And um, just, I got to meet the most outstanding people along the way and everybody had the same desire is, how can we change the way we treat trauma? Uh, We owe it to y'all, you raise your right hand, you're one of the, you know, the 1% that serve this country and the sacrifice that goes with it. And I just wanted to, I wanted to, find compassionate allies that would walk with me on this journey not having any idea where we're going to be now we can talk about that now but that was the genesis mm-hmm. and then the desire was to find those programs that had sustainability and that they had um they weren't just a one-off uh that that, that there was training or there was practices or there was counseling whatever that was and proven success and and yeah, and yeah outcomes. something that had yeah. sustainability beyond just having a service dog or, you know, climbing a mountain, all those are feel-goods, but how do we really walk through trauma? Because tr- trauma can have a stranglehold on you, and, uh, and we know that, right? So, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's... And so where we are now, of course, is uh, the way it's evolved is just extraordinary. I mean, we, we deliver a program called Warrior Path, path meaning progressive and alternative training for helping heroes. And it's a beautiful reset. It's a six-day program. Uh, the founder of it is Ken Falk at Boulder Crest Retreat back in Virginia. Um, again, another beautiful story of how, you know, we crossed paths, and I found him, and then I kept knocking at the door through the years to see if he would see that we could be a, a venue to uh, uh, provide this program. and. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we can talk about that, but that's what we're doing now, as well as other um, monthly huddles for heroes that we make, make dinner together and we break bread together. It's a safe and honoring place for them to walk into and share their stories, because every soldier has one, um, and it, they should be heard. And, uh, and then we have uh, Matters of the Heart, which maybe you want to talk about a little bit it's similar to the huddle that we provide once a month for the
1: service members or first responders that we also serve the moth program matters of the heart is the once a month and we have dinner and meal and it's for the spouses and we just get together and it's uh we're all of the like mind and can share our stories and use each other as a resource or a shoulder or an ear or whatever may be needed at the time and kind of rally around one another when there's a need
0: Yeah, I you you brought up a good point, and and I think it's it's no secret. I mean, I think every news organization across the the country covers uh, the astonishing rate of veteran and service member suicides. Um, And I I appreciate you for bringing that up. When you when you look at your your program, is that kind of a big part of it, right? Is how do you stop that? How do you maybe not stop it, but how do you help? When when that need is there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like is that kind of what you guys are looking at with the with your yeah. programs?
2: So um, the Ken Falk, who's the founder of Boulder Crest Foundation back in Virginia, uh, retired EOD guy, wonderful man. He saw the same problem back in Virginia. He and his wife owned 200 acres in Virginia around 2008, 2009 seeing the same things that we were and they had this beautiful property and when soldiers from walter reed or uh, other uh, soldiers that ken and julia knew they would invite them out to their spot in this beautiful it's underneath the blue ridge mountains it's just beautiful northern virginia loudoun county and my son kyle actually his marker is out there in hamilton and so i was visiting kyle one um one year after the first race And I saw this remarkable property with the beautiful signage, uh, Welcome Home Heroes, and I looked at it and got to, you know, get on their website. And he had created a program, a six-day wellness program, um, based with the experts in that mental health field that he scoured the United States with. When he saw the devastating stories coming out, he wanted to do something, too. So he found Dr. Rich Tedeschi at University of North Carolina. Uh, there were a couple of other experts in the mental health field that he relied on, and understanding that struggle can be turned into strength, but we can't get hung up on, you know, a lot of things that we do. And and so he created this program, this Warpath program, and started inviting soldiers to come for the six days. And it's a series. It's it's a curriculum of you know, 50 different um, curriculums, uh, training wellness to turn the way we see trauma, uh, difficulty in our childhood. There's uh, studies that, you know, a lot of soldiers maybe have struggled in childhood, family of origin issues that sort of stayed with them. They joined the military. They kept stuffing them in their rucksack, and then it all sort of blows up to not, you know, not to, no pun intended. but just a lot of uh, struggles through the years that they don't really address until a, a marriages fall apart or addiction gets worse or finances are in the toilet you know all, all the different things that can happen if you don't address the root cause and so the warpath program is designed to do that and it's the numbers don't lie um, Bernie Marcus and Arthur blank who started Home Depot there they Uh, They're in their 90s now. They're extremely generous. They love our soldiers. They love our law enforcement and first responders, and they want to help be a part of the solution. And so they've thrown a ton of money and support. The Gary Sinise Foundation, the same. Um, And now we have been invited to be one of nine other organizations, so there's ten, from Sheepdog to... um, gratitude america to camp southern ground in atlanta Um, i could name all of them but for the purposes of of this um, conversation uh, there's 10 wonderful organizations that have been invited to be part of uh, offering this program once a month and as we speak there are 10 veterans who are no stranger to camp murray or cross the the freeway uh, who have uh, served this country honorably, uh, but they need a reset and they need a recalibration. And it uh, doesn't mean that they're suicidal necessarily. Just something isn't something ain't right. And so they are as we speak at this program that we are running. And um, we currently we uh, lease a property in Port Orchard, but our dream, and it's gonna happen sooner than later because uh, I got this gal on our team. <laughs> Uh, is to build our own wellness retreat or center, if you will, for the men and women that have served this country. And um, we're going to have our own place in the Pacific Northwest. We're the only organization that doesn't. Everybody else has their own. So we we rent a facility. But the numbers don't lie. The statistics don't lie. The uh, outcomes of this program, and it's not a one-off. I mean, once you spend a week with these men and women that you don't didn't know until you walked in those doors. Um, you quickly become close because there's a lot of disclosure in a safe and honoring place. And then there's wellness practices that we put in place. And then there's the camaraderie and the connection. And you've got your new cadre now as you leave. And for the next six months, there's continual. There's an app. There's you know there's Zoom calls. There's connection. Uh, we continue to touch these men and women uh, for life. I mean, this is now a relationship, so, um, and it's free. There's no charge. There's simply a willingness to want to do the very personal, intentional work. There's no diagnosis either. If somebody you knew that's, you know, just struggling. Struggling. and And want to turn it around and uh, maybe, maybe gotten into some trouble, maybe not. They make the phone call, they get on our website, they make the phone call one of our folks who's also a veteran. So it's peer-to-peer training. It's, it's, not, it's not counseling and it's, it's not therapy. It's just you know without sharing all the things because it's not, not important. And I've never personally been in there, but I can tell you I know the curriculum pretty well. And to a person, I have met the men and women that come out of this program and the results are phenomenal because your leaders now when you leave the military we need you to continue to leave. God knows this country needs men and women with your experience and your background and your commitment to excellence. And we need you out there regardless of wherever your military, you know, um, career goes, right? Right. All
1: of the path guides as well as Leslie was mentioning have gone through the training themselves. So
2: they it is peer, you know, peer to peer training so they can relate really well it's the concept of of post-traumatic growth Mm -hmm. that which doesn't kill you will make you stronger Mm -hmm. but you have to tackle it and you have to be intentional about it and you have to have a willingness to embrace the 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 process of it but ptg is real and uh, that's what this program is really promoting and take that strength from that struggle and then Go forward. I didn't mean to no, no, talk over no, you. No, I'm sorry. You're not
1: at all. We also have an alliance of other organizations within the PATH program where we can refer um, anyone who goes through it that may be struggling that needs more help with certain areas, whether it be addiction, or mm-hmm. Leslie knows much more about this than I do. But there are a lot of resources out there, so it becomes a way for us to connect them to what they might need as well.
2: Yeah, it's part of a network now. So Ken invited us. I got the call in 2019, in December, right before COVID. And he said, Leslie, he says, you're the little engine that could. (laughs) Um, And we want to invite your organization. We want you to represent Warrior Path in the Pacific Northwest because there's such a need. What do they say, 68,000 veterans now live in this area that have retired from the military. And then also active duty, too. Uh, It's a little more challenging, but we can make that work. Um, Also with our law enforcement, our first responders, you know, we've just seen in the last couple of years, and so many of them are former military, right? And so there's a lot of moral injury and trauma that exists. But Ken invited us to be a part of this organization. He personally named, uh, you know, the different organizations that he trusted and we knew could put a team together and deliver. And then there's two uh, uh, um, locations for Warrior's Heart. This is a peer-to-peer, veteran-to-veteran run uh, program to deal with addiction, all kinds of addiction. There's one in Texas uh, and one in Virginia just opened. And I've met these men. They are the real frickin' deal. And it's a six-week program. Again, it's free. Um, but your wife can't want it more than you do, or your spouse can't want it more than you do, but they are seeing extraordinary success. So it might be that you know somebody that is dealing with addiction, they want to do Warpath, but you got to be clear-headed. You know, you can't walk into If you're using, Warpath's not going to work for you, but we have a place for you to go. If you've been diagnosed with traumatic brain injury, we've got 10 locations across the country that are seeing remarkable success, and again, that's why we do the fundraising, so it's free of charge. It, we are only asking that you have an open heart and willingness to uh, embrace the suck, as they say, you know, and, <laughs> and go through it. But when we get to meet these women and men, uh, they go through it. There's, you know, they come in and they're, they're, they're alone with just their peers, their trainers, and the kitchen, and, and maybe one or two other people come to visit songwriting for uh, soldiers comes in and they're an amazing there's so much of this uh, program that is so meaningful and impactful transformational really and when we get to meet them as they're about to leave and go back to their homes whether it's here in the Pacific Northwest or Georgia or wherever they are we don't want any barriers so if there's somebody in Florida that needs to go to Warpath but they don't want to wait for you know, three months to get in because Gratitude America has a wait list, we fly them out here. So it's, it's free. Um, and the USO is a wonderful partner. You want to talk mm-hmm. about that?
1: Well, you know more about the USO than I do. The USO helps us at the airport here, mm-hmm. certainly. Whenever anyone flies in, um, they'll house them and feed them, mm-hmm. and um,
2: we make sure we pick them up. Yeah, we yeah. pick them up, but you can imagine if you've got a soldier that's coming in from Tennessee... He's gotten on the plane. He knows he's supposed to be going to Warpath. He knows this is a good move. It's not going to kill him. It's going to make him uh, the best version of himself and get rid of that baggage and then move forward yeah. with purpose and passion. But there's still a part of him that's dragging his foot. So when he gets off the plane at SeaTac, how beautiful it is to have someone from the USO that is, you know, they're legitimate, uh, they have a wonderful reputation, they're a trustworthy partner, and so that was Don, a beautiful idea of Don Langan's to, well, why don't we pick them up, we'll take them to the lounge, and then when your people get there, you know, then that's another touch of someone trustworthy. Because what we've heard through the years is that when soldiers are struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury or some of the other struggles, there's a lot of broken promises along the way, a lot of false hope that's instilled, and we never want to have that reputation. We never. You know, things happen uh, that, you know, can't prevent. Maybe somebody's ready to go and then mom dies or, you know, something catastrophic happens. We give them grace. Uh, they get to go again, but two or three times we might say to them, you know what, timing is everything. Maybe this isn't the right time. Mm-hmm. So a uh, lot of grace. It's all done with grace and love. It's not punitive. It's let let us walk you through some of the worst horrors of of your life. Let's find them. Sometimes soldiers don't even know they're there until they get into warrior path and a lot is discovered. So.
0: Like, Kevin, I, I did not know anything about your foundation until Colonel Retired Geikas reached out uh, about the race for a soldier. How, so how did he get involved with it?
2: Yeah, that, that's up your uh, you You can well, speak I, to that.
1: Well, um, I came on to the foundation of April of 22, and um, Colonel Retired Geikas reached out to us via email closer to the race that September. So it was probably in August um, via email, just asking if we could, we partner with Wear Blue Run to Remember at our race, and uh, he was requesting Dom's uh, A-frame and photo be placed out on our course. And so that's how we connected originally. And then we learned about Brian Bradshaw as well. And so we worked together to have both of their photos on the same space on that wear blue mile at the end. And the last mile, the last mile, yeah, Yeah, it's beautiful. And he and Kate have been running the race for years, Mm -hmm. but uh, I just met them that year. And so our relationship just grew from there. And then after, at the end of the race in uh, 22, I think I asked him if he might be interested in being involved in 23 because we've always dreamt of having a flyover and he might just be the man. When I saw his signature line and where he worked, (laughs) (laughs) I thought he might be the one to help us. And
2: so the relationship just grew from there and then a year later our dreams came true. And I got to meet Erin and turns out she can sing. And had beautifully, yes. And I hadn't picked a uh, or found a, a national anthem singer yet. And we always pride ourselves that we get the best, and we're not just going to bring anybody up. It's a song that needs to be sung, and and part, and I and I want the children that come to the race. I want them to have a sense of, uh, you know, under understand the honor and dignity that goes uh, behind every man and woman that signs up, and why we salute the flag, and why we sing the anthem, and so. I met with her for coffee, and it was supposed to be, you know, a half hour, and it turned into two hours, and fell in, in love with her, yeah. And uh, asked her uh, if she would uh, sing. There, I mean, you talk about a compelling moment, and uh, I mean, people had tears in their eyes. She's singing "Europe in the Sky Somewhere." Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it couldn't have been scripted. But, I mean, it's better than a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. It was extraordinary. I'll yeah. never forget it.
0: Yeah. And on top of being a guardsman and deploying with you, Kevin, Dom was a, a Pierce County sheriff. Uh, he was killed in action doing his sheriff job. Um, but you had the pleasure of deploying with him. I only worked with him a couple times. So um, when you saw this event and it came across your desk, you immediately knew what you had to do. Uh, kind of, I mean, just give us that kind of sense of who Dom was and why you were so compelled to just, we have to do this.
3: Yeah, so Dom and I met in 2017. We, just by chance, both ended up in the same unit. We joined the Special Operations Detachment. Um, I was there as an aviation liaison and a planner. Um, it's a 40-person unit, so talk about you know being part of a family. It doesn't get much more intimate than only 40 people in your unit. Um, but I remember meeting Dom on like the first day or the second day when I was at the unit And Dom was one of those guys where when you think through your life or you think through your military career, some of the highest praise that you can give somebody is to say, he's a good dude. That's a good dude. Dom was a good dude. Dom was one of the best dudes, to be honest with you. And you could tell that right away. When I first met him, he had a magnetic personality. So people were just drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Um... Fast forward a couple years, that was 2017. So in 2019 through 2020, he and I deployed to Afghanistan together. He was in our intelligence section, I was in the operations section, uh, but we were on the same tiny little American base inside of a much larger Afghan base. So I got to see him and work with him basically every single day. Um, Kind of a fun fact, our sons, uh, who are now about five and a half years old, were born two weeks apart. So the fact that we had infant children that we were FaceTiming with every day and seeing our sons and not being there for their fir- first steps and some of their first words as they started talking, but seeing it on FaceTime, he and I were able to to kind of bond that way because we were talking about that uh, mm-hmm. while we were there. But just to be around Dom, we were both Seahawks fans too, so that's one of those fun <laughs> things that we had in common to work with somebody on a daily basis for an entire year you get to know them pretty well Mm -hmm. and i'm talking every single day there was no weekends there was no breaks there was no time off i saw him every single day um and and so that kind of that grew the relationship quite a bit Uh, so fast forward to this amr that comes across the desk and it says race for a soldier and in the notes again it said this is in you know in memory and honor of deputy and Major Dom Collada. So when I saw that, um, I'm not the type that likes to swoop down on missions and take them for myself, but in this situation, I felt compelled to raise my hand and say to my boss at the time, sir, it would be an honor if you'd let me take this mission and be the pilot in command for this flyover. So I had a vested interest in helping it get pushed through the process, Mm -hmm. get approved through all of the appropriate approvals, so that we could actually execute the mission. Um, And I pushed really, really, really hard for it, because I definitely wanted to do it. Uh, So huge team went into the planning aspect. We met you out at the YMCA in Gig Harbor, we did the walkthrough, we planned the route, we knew where all the runners were gonna be, we walked through the process on what would be the best flyover and what would look the best. Came to a decision, and fortunately, let's back up a couple days. So, they did the prayer breakfast on Friday of that weekend of execution. And I was with my boss. We were driving over to participate in the prayer breakfast, which was awesome, by the way. But as we're going across the Narrows Bridge, it was so foggy. And this was on Friday, the race was on Sunday. It was so foggy that I'm like, there's no way.
1: We were all a little worried. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: but I mean, you're going across the bridge and you disappear into a, a a cloud bank basically um so that was really stressful because i really really wanted this to happen i think we got the final approval either that friday or maybe saturday it
0: was on friday so what so for for clarity on this so when a flyover comes it comes through our office any flyovers also then go national to the to national guard bureau and then it goes to the department of army's public affairs office and, and we were stressing about it all week prior, like, because we've gotten the state approval. National Guard Bureau had already approved it. We were just waiting for the final OK from Big Army. And I think we got that on Friday afternoon <laughs> of a Sunday flyover. And I think you got about 45 text messages from me probably. prior to that. Between you and Colonel uh, <laughs> Colonel Seaglock, Lieutenant, or now Captain Payne. I, I probably was on my phone most of Friday trying to get this Every thing. Every hour out. on the hour. Hey, any update yet? Uh, bottom
3: line, we obviously got the approval. Friday the weather was terrible, so I was stressing out. Saturday, not much of an improvement, but then Sunday morning we Booper. woke up, we made a call. It was beautiful Mm -hmm. there were a few clouds here and there but overall skies were clear and we were a go for the mission so that was a huge relief when we do a flyover for the most part an aircraft will loiter and wait for their inbound signal we had uh, JTACs on the ground Mm -hmm. at the site which were providing us with cues, which was awesome those guys did a fantastic job so we're loitering uh, kind of around the south end of Vashon Island and we're just waiting and we're doing circles and we're just gonna wait until we get that inbound call and then we're gonna make our way inbound because we wanna be there right on time. So we're doing big circles. And as you can imagine, doing circles after a little while gets kind of boring. And so I'm doing circles and then I hand the controls off to my pilot and he's doing circles. And the sun is coming up over the horizon. Again, it's, it's relatively clear. There's a few clouds. But just picture the scene. We're over the water. The Puget Sound is beautiful. The sun is coming up, so we are got sun in our eyes. I handed the controls off to my pilot, he's doing a circle. And in that moment, I just felt gratitude for being able to participate in this. And I just had this overwhelming feeling of gratitude. And I will tell you, and I shared this with a couple of my, my pilots afterwards, in that moment I felt Dom there with us, which was incredible. So to be able to participate, uh, and and honor Dom in that way, but then to know that he was there was was pretty special. That's something that I will never forget. So, absolutely my honor to, to be a part of that. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it and, was great. It, it, and this wasn't the only guard part, right? You mentioned the JTAX. The Air Guard had a heavy involvement, too. I, the JTAX there providing you guys with support. Um, I believe uh, the Western Air Defense sector even made food for all the runners, too. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah it was. That that tent was so awesome. Yeah, Yeah. and Mary Bradshaw was able to be there, too. Um, This was the first year we had a
1: tent for the Fallen and honored both Dom and Brian mm -hmm. through that tent and had um, beautiful write-ups that your team uh, all worked on. We helped get them printed, so we had um, just beautiful images and stories, friends and family, and it was such an honor to watch the families walk up and see that tent
2: um well and for the community too. to see what we do um, yeah. you know i remember dom's uh funeral and my sister lives in puyallup and she wanted me to come over because a group of them we don't we didn't know him mm-hmm. we just knew what had happened mm-hmm. and we wanted to honor him um so for I think more community members, civilians in particular, who come to the race and they bring their children, and it it bleeds red, white, and blue anyway, and that just brought brought it home and and allows the community to understand that you know there's there's a sacrifice in this, and uh, it was it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope we can continue to grow it because I think that it's it's what need, is needed is um, any outreach that we can. Have with our military community, and then bring y'all over uh, there for that morning. Uh, It's part of fostering a sense of responsibility on their part. Like, what what are you doing? You know, we all can serve. Uh, You don't have to necessarily put a, a uniform on, because I think a lot of civilians don't know how to do that. They want to, they might serve in their church or, but there could be bigger ways that they could and maybe fostering those relationships. So that went a long way in my mm-hmm. opinion. And uh, and those wraps? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> man.
0: So you already kind of mentioned looking forward and, and getting others involved. Is there a date for next year's race?
1: The date is September 8th, Sunday, September 8th at the YMCA in Gig Harbor as a start and finish. And we would love uh, for people to look look to that date to participate in any way they can, whether it be through volunteering, donating, running. Uh, We have a lot of vendors at what we call Base Camp, which is the finish line area where they set up booths. Uh, We love to work with like-minded organizations uh, serving veteran populations to to fill up our Base Camp area and registration will be open in the very beginning of February so by February 1st we will have registration open. Um, There will be a military discount embedded into the registration process
2: and what am I forgetting anything? Well we have a couple other uh, events too Mm -hmm. that we would love to grow the Mm -hmm. you know the involvement if you will. We have the Swing for a Soldier which is a golf tournament which is sells out pretty quickly but I'm thinking more of like the prayer breakfast or the Pull for a Soldier, which is a competitive trap shoot event. Uh, It's a really fun event. And um, I mean, I think we do our events really well. The prayer breakfast is just a safe and honoring place for soldiers to tell their stories. And it's meant not to be a fundraiser. It's meant to be uh, illuminating, inspirational. Uh, We've had extraordinary speakers through the years. We're in our 14th year. This will be our fourteenth race um, the fact that we're still growing it and it's making even more of an impact sort of blows my mind because <laughs> didn't really know where it was going in the beginning, but it turns out that there are a lot of community members that do care very much about you folks and what you do, and that's their way of showing up so. Um, The prayer breakfast is
1: always the Friday before the race. The race is on a Sunday, so the prayer breakfast will be September 6th. Mm -hmm. And Leslie always brings in phenomenal speakers. Um, It will really move you if you take the time to come and have breakfast with us.
3: And I can verify that. It is exceptionally (laughs) moving. Being able to attend that was was huge. That's sort of a high praise coming
2: from from (laughs) you because I'm sure that you all have been to many you know, breakfasts and conferences and things like that, and it starts to feel like, you know, it's just speaking to the choir, but um, it is meant, I mean, the the prayer breakfast was inspired by Jay Redmond, Lieutenant uh, Colonel, I think he was, yeah, and I had heard him speak in 2010 in New York, uh, shortly after he'd been, you know, injured pretty severely, and uh, his speech—he stood up there, not as a victim, uh, and he had, what, 30, probably, surgeries ahead of him, not really knowing. But he spoke about how God met him on the battlefield and what that was to him. And that just—when I was flying home from that event, I said, you know, the race for a soldier isn't enough. I—I I, want—I want to find the J. Redmonds out in the Pacific Northwest or somewhere to tell their remarkable story so that the rest of us can stand up a little straighter and maybe, you know, pick up our game a little bit. (laughs) And so that's how it got started. And then years later, I got to meet Jay and invited him to speak at our uh, prayer breakfast. And so he did that two years ago, you know, 2020. And, uh, man, so, yeah, I'm always looking for uh, inspirational stories because every soldier has one. And I think the more we, Offer that opportunity for the civilian world, in particular, to hear those and not one of victimhood or oh, poor me. It's how did you survive it and how did you, you know, thrive after trauma, and um, and we all need to hear those stories um, now more than ever, I think.
0: Okay. So, so I think my final question is, how do others get involved? And I know you guys have kind of touched <laughs> on it a ton of times, yeah. but sure.
1: Well, follow us on our social media channels for sure. Visit our website at ptsdfoundation.org. Even though we're trying to get away from the PTSD, it is our our website address. It's a lot of letters. It is. (laughs) Um, You can find our social media channels listed on our website as well. And um, they can always email info at ptsdfoundation.org for any other questions they may have.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anything else you guys want to add? And if
3: you'd like to be a National Guard helicopter pilot, see yeah. an yeah. Army National Guard recruiter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you started out with the paperwork yet for next year's race? That's, that's <laughs> the question. Yeah. Where do Let's we Let's sign it? Yeah. Get
0: it in early so we don't
3: have to wait till the last minute
0: to get oh, the approvals. Yeah. Well, Well, I appreciate you guys coming on and talking about sure, the foundation. I appreciate working with Colonel guess Again, I always enjoy working with him. Uh, always appreciate Kevin and working with our aviation guys. If you're interested in learning more about the foundation, we can definitely put their information in the notes. Uh, we can put your contact information in the notes. If you like the video, give it a like. If you want, have any questions, just uh, comment and make sure you subscribe. Appreciate you guys yeah. coming out.
2: Thanks. Thank, Thank you.
0: What an honor. Right not across yeah.
2: the table. <laughs> <laughs>